1: Carl, thanks so much. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner here post nine at the New York Stock Exchange front and center this hour. Another test for tech just hours away. When Tesla reports, we debate what's at stake for the Nasdaq as the biggest market cap companies begin to release their earnings now. Joining me for the hour, Joe Terranova, Liz Young, Kerry Firestone, Surat Sethi, everybody is in the house here post nine today. Let's check the markets. We're still in the red across the board where we moved off the lows, though, but yields are the story today. Um, Joe, you said on Monday, if I recall, you didn't like the setup no. for this week, in part because of yields. And here they are moving higher again. And we'll get to NASDAQ, Tesla, everything else coming up. But we have to start here.
2: Four and a quarter for a two-year. And that's where Fed policy is priced in the Treasury market. That's that's not good. We see the two-year going the wrong way. So the setup is, is a poor one. And, and again, I'll mention Underneath the surface of a lot of earnings that are going to be reported this week, there is a tremendous amount of Fed speak. Rafael Bostek, Loretta Mester, uh, Patrick Harker. So we're going to hear a reiteration. I believe, of a very hawkish positioning. We had the news overnight about European inflation. So back in the conversation, yeah, once again. a very hawkish
1: positioning, though. I bring up Bostic yesterday. was like, all right, one more in May. Market already knows that. And then I'm, I'm done. I think they're going to- yeah, How I, hawkish was, is that? I mean, the market kind of knows it now, don't I, I, Again, that's, that's why I think
2: this week is a, a week in which we're running in place. Still think we're going to 4,200. I think the catalyst for that comes next week in the form of mega caps. But I don't think- Uh, The Fed speaker is going to do anything to advance the market towards 4,200 this week.
1: Liz, I mean, the VIX is at 16 and a half. Unbelievable. Um, There's just not much volatility around. There's what people would suggest is complacency abound Um, for whatever reason. How do you see the market here?
3: Well, there's volatility in the bond market, and there continues to be this contradiction between what's happening in equities with a sleepy, sleepy VIX and a really excitable move index, which is the bond volatility. And it used to be the case that bonds knew things before stocks did, and that sort of went away for a while. Maybe it's back. Maybe we're in a period now where bonds actually do know that volatility is coming and that volatility should be higher. I do think that there's some complacency. However, I don't want to accuse people of being complacent. There hasn't really been news to do anything about. Yeah, no, that's and true. And earnings season started pretty strong. We were fearful of big banks' earnings and commentary, and it came out, it came out of the gates pretty good, which I think boosted sentiment and sort of calmed everybody down so we're in this place where if we get some little positive news the market probably does reach for forty two hundred but the negative news is what we're all sort of on the edges of our seats for i think if we had a drawdown here it would surprise no one right so we're all positioned for that we all keep talking about it Mm -hmm. yet we sort of fight our way higher and stay in this range well, there isn't anything or any big reason to do otherwise
1: is the market Sarat more vulnerable do you think because breadth overall has been kind of lame in fact you have you know as we embark on these mega cap companies that are going to start reporting tesla in overtime tonight it's been top heavy You know, tech, comm services, the bigger market caps are the ones who have really carried the market. Is it more vulnerable as a result?
4: It is. It's, It's vulnerable because you look at the small caps, they've all rolled over. You Look at all the leading indicators, they're all rolling over. But the large caps are kind of, we've seen this story happen before. And the question is, when money comes into the indexes, that's pushing up all these stocks. The active managers or other positioning are kind of saying, hey, we're kind of waiting for the market to come down. So you really... The path of least resistance is down, but you're not seeing any of that because we haven't had any catalyst to do it, to Liz's point. Uh, But I do think over time, with earnings coming down, it's going to be very hard to sustain these levels, at least in the next six months. I mean, you've
1: been looking at this very issue, right? Top heavy market, the kinds of stocks underneath the surface that have rolled over. You wrote about it for CNBC Pro. Um, So you're thinking about it. How's it shaping your view then overall?
5: Well, I, I think to Surat's point, uh, if you think about small tech, uh, small cap, and, and mid cap rolling over, uh, you know, I would say that they had they didn't roll from anywhere. They've been rolled. Oh, they, right. They've sunk for uh, a long time now, and the differential between the large caps and the small caps is is so huge. Uh, if you look at the way. Uh, Apple has performed; it's up 26% year to date, and you can fit all of the companies, all the listed companies between one and five billion, um, into Apple. The, the market cap, close to three trillion, is equal to all you know 1,200 companies in that in that range. So, uh, you know, I think if you get a boost, uh, if the tech names. Do well or better than expected next week. The market can keep going higher, and if they don't, that'll be disappointing, and it can drag those names down. Uh, and and that's not what the market has been expecting. I mean,
1: uh, Joe, are are we? I feel like we have this debate that we need to, you know, have. Are, are we improving, overall, or are we setting ourselves up for a fall? Because I've got you know Mike Wilson and Marco Kalanovic on one side. And then Mark Newton, Tom Lee, and then Credit Suisse today on the other side. Credit Suisse says technicals point to further equity strength. Mark Newton says no evidence of any break in trends. The area near 4,200, he says, could prove challenging to immediately exceed given the lack of catalyst. However, no evidence of any reversal is apparent at this time. And a bit of waning in breath in and of itself is no reason to expect a stalling out. So if you're studying the
2: charts, then yes, there is strong, positive technical momentum. And that's obvious if you're looking at the NASDAQ. Fundamentally, I think the conversation comes down, and I shared with you on Monday, I think that the market did a good job in the fall discounting economic weakness. I think we're in the the midst of that economic weakness right now. The real question becomes where do we go with earnings? And, you know, where I'm wrong on my assessment that I'd be very surprised if we retreat to the October lows is if this earnings recession extends far further than we believe. I think yeah. collectively there's the belief that it's going to take the shape of a V. It's going to be a V-shaped type of earnings yeah, contract. Well, if you look at the
1: estimates for later in the year, correct. they start to go so that's, to your point. They go up. That's not... That's that's priced into the market. What's
2: not priced into the market is a prolonged malaise for earnings, and that's where my assessment yeah. of we don't go back to the yeah. October lows. That's where I'm wrong. Well, we, yeah. well
4: that's, to, to Joe's point, you know the V is very different from kind of a U shape because if you're down there and then the market realizes we don't really are we're not discounting the forward. We, right now we're looking through, and everybody's expecting that. So that's where we're going to get some some clarity on, and if the Fed starts kind of not raising rates, that's going to actually push the market up. But if earnings are not sustainable, we will get that downdraft.
2: I'm not if I could just real quick. I'm not I'm not as much concerned about the economic recession. Because in an an odd way, if we see a significant economic contraction, well, what do you do? You know the Fed pauses, and then whether you think it's justified or not, you begin to price in rate cuts, right? So that resolves itself. But what do you do in the case of earnings, especially if inflation comes down? You lose pricing power. Margins contract. That's the bigger problem, I think, for the market is what happens with earnings. Well,
4: I would take the other side. My fear is inflation does not come down as much and you still have 2 to 3%, closer to 3% inflation, because wages are still going up and commodity prices are not coming down. And then you've got this, well, how much can the Fed actually cut, which then brings down the overall market multiple. So, so that's kind of more of a bearish case. And that's why you want inflation be- Right, stagflation, which is then where is your positioning and kind of do you want to be in energy and commodities at that point and staples because that's where you're going to get the biggest bang for your buck.
1: Liz, what do you think about that question? Are we improving or are we setting ourselves up for a fall? Because we we have highlighted any time that Wilson and Kalanovic print anything, uh, which has been more negative than not of late, but it is balanced in some degree by the fund strats and Lee and Newton. And then, you know, like I said, the Credit Suisse, technical note today too
3: yeah i mean the market has been surprisingly resilient in the face of everything that we know to be negative and in the face of everything that we know to be a headwind i do think that the earnings question is really more about revenue and about whether or not companies are able to manage their operating margin in the face of number one falling revenue growth which we know is going to continue for this year and inflation that stays reasonably high, right? Wage growth that has stayed reasonably strong. So the the ability for a company to manage the costs down at the same speed and at the right level as their revenues are falling, is what's going to be the thing that either makes or breaks the market for the rest of the year. Historically, companies do not do a good job of that. It's a really difficult thing to do. I'm not saying they're poorly managed companies, yeah. but it's a very difficult thing to do. I don't think they've ever been able to do that. So oh, I'm not no. optimistic that earnings are going to hold up as well as the market thinks they are.
1: It brings me back, though, Kerry, to the mega caps, the yeah. ones who are sort of took the medicine first, sure. if you will, in terms of the layoffs and right-sizing and downsizing, understanding that their revenue growth was slowing from where it was. So does that mean that they're better positioned now? Your meta, uh, target raised to 250 today, reiterate by Bank of America, ahead of earnings that we're talking about. Price target goes to 260, also reiterated outperform at uh, Wolf ahead of earnings so we can start with with your your meta yeah one of the companies at the forefront of saying you know what we need to right size ourselves after being criticized for being too bloated
5: yeah I- exactly these tech names that fell you know 20 to 60% last year they suffered not only did the stock suffer the shareholders suffered but their revenues and their profit did and meta's going to have a tough quarter this year but they've made that clear and and that's true if you look across the board at Big Cap. You know, if they've gotten religion, as we've talked about before, they're cutting people and they're down, you know, they're right-sizing, I would say. They're they're eliminating divisions that aren't making any sense. And the market has understood that. And the market has looked beyond a few weak quarters. And this could be the weakest quarter or next quarter, the weakest quarter. And they've rewarded the stocks, I mean, the, the managements, for doing things that they think are right. So if we can get through this next couple of weeks and the market accepts where these companies, whether it's Apple, Microsoft, Uh, Alphabet, Meta, Salesforce, etc., if it accepts what they're doing as the right step to the next growth phase, I think that staying where we are in this market at 41, 4,200 would be a real win for the market if we're able to do that. So,
1: Sarah, you have Meta also. Um, This idea was put forward, I forgot the firm that did it a couple days ago, about the re-rating being done, Mm -hmm. Right. The stock is up. Yeah, I don't know what's up, like 150, 150 150 percent since the November
4: low. It it was down in the
1: 90s. um, But that it's all it's all done now. So you had such an escalation in in stock price that what are you rooting
4: for now? Completely agree. Right. When it was in the low 100s and 90s, there was a lot of debate about is this company done? Have they lost their way? Well, they they kind of read their right sizing. The question Scott's going to be how much money are they spending on the metaverse still because we haven't really seen any return on that how efficient are they getting with artificial intelligence because he's been talking about that Zuckerberg that is about how they're optimizing their advertising with that and I think What is happening with Instagram as well? So you you look at those, they're going to have to show growth. The cost cutting is done. He can still do a lot more. There's a lot of fat there. But it's really what is the incremental dollar being reinvested at Facebook internally? How is that going to produce cash flow down the road?
1: You don't know if it's done. I mean, you know, we'll we'll see. Um, Speaking of AI, it's uh, carry Microsoft, Target. Right. I mean, you get the idea here, okay? that despite the fact that these stocks have gone up a lot, Wall Street's not done getting on the bandwagon in an even more uh, strong way than they've been before. Microsoft target goes to 310. Reiterate by Deutsche, even as we're cautious on near-term Azure growth, we look for results to begin inflecting higher. That's uh, the call there. They report next week as well,
5: but they're covering their bases. You know, they've been so negative. Their strategists have all been negative well, about this year. Well, I've been negative. Share. It's not
1: like well, I know, but the analysts have not been negative.
5: Correct, but they're they're trying to position both let the strategists be negative about the market and let the analysts say we still see upside to these big names. They can do it both. Surat,
4: Microsoft also look. I love the company Microsoft. I- i've been just taking a little positions off microsoft It's becoming too big in our portfolios i'm not going to carry a five percent position in any stock i never have and i worry when you start getting so big and everybody loves the stock you know there you say one bad thing about apple and microsoft and you get hate mail but what's the right size then for, for somebody in their portfolio five percent is too big what's right i mean i think two to three percent a microsoft is is a good position it's a great company but it is actually pretty fully valued at this point. They they, they have to keep on growing double digits on a very large base. Stock's up 21.5%
1: over the last six months, year to date 20%. So that's your former Microsoft.
2: (laughs) So that's, you know, listen, that's a great fundamental observation on collectively all these companies. Um, I'm obviously studying momentum. And when you study momentum, you say to yourself, how high is high? No one ultimately knows the answer to that. In the case of Meta, I know it sounds extremely unreasonable. Let's remember, this is a stock that was 385 in September yeah. of 2021. Worry, so it surprised us already. Maybe it surprises us once again. If you're studying momentum, clearly it's meta, it's Apple, and it's Microsoft, where if you want to play the you know red light, green light, yellow light, certainly it's, it's tinkering on green, clearly at yellow. Uh, Tesla, amazon alphabet not really there yet they're still having the red light but yeah. in each of the instances of the three names i mentioned let's remember there is a potential fundamental tailwind for apple it's the potential for services revenue to come in stronger than the street expects and for microsoft there's clearly is a lot of tailwinds surrounding of the thesis for ai
1: well, and as i said liz though you know tesla and overtime not a Tesla specific conversation, but when you get the sixth largest market cap company in the NASDAQ now reporting some $570 billion, um, these reports become more important now to to the overall story. Whether you own Tesla or not, you better hope that the report is is pretty good just for the fact that if you're invested in NASDAQ-like stocks, the market cap's so high, it's going to have an oversized weighting in the reaction of the overall index.
3: Right. Well, there's a couple things. So if if we're looking at the NASDAQ and looking at just the big tech names that have benefited so much this year so far, they've benefited from the fact that rates have fallen. We've seen this march down in rates until early April. And now rates are on their march back upward. I think it threatens a lot of that rally and at least the parts of it that are not necessarily fundamentally driven. And then you look at a company like Tesla. They've announced how many price cuts at this year already. Why do they have to cut prices? They have to cut prices because demand isn't there. You're trying to stimulate demand in the product. Yes, it's good for inflation, but it's also signaling that demand is wavering. So this is the first earnings season that I think we're gonna find out from a lot of these companies where we've gotten announcements on them trimming the fat, cutting employees, cutting costs. Did they cut it enough? Did prices come down enough to stimulate that demand? And that's going to go on for a couple earnings seasons. But this is the first one where the rubber meets the road. Did tech cut enough? I don't know what the answer is going to be to that, but we're going to find out soon enough.
1: Maybe the comps get better, too, Kerry. Edward Denny says the worst of the mega cap year on year earnings growth comparisons already occurred oh, wow. in Q4 of 22. So you saw the worst of it then, assuming he says the analysts are right. Q2 2023 would mark the mega cap uh, first positive contribution to S&P 500 quarterly earnings growth since the first quarter of 2021.
0: Yeah.
5: Uh, and you're going to hear about it in the next few weeks. If, if Apple starts talking about how business is picking up in China, for example, which the last you know, thing we heard was that nobody was doing anything in China because there were lockdowns and then there were big supply chain problems. And now we're hearing that retail spending and consumer spending is much better there. So that could be an incremental positive. And we might just hear some better news on um, the advertising front. It's been in a recession. It could be better for both Facebook, for Facebook, Instagram and, and Google than uh, analysts expect. So, you know, he's got a point, and, and Ed is is strong and his analysis is very good. So
1: you, you do, I'm not going to say you have conflicting reports, um, Joe, on, on Apple today. You get the price target raised at JP Morgan to 190. UBS uh, reiterates their buy, they they have a $180 price target, yet they suggest it's unlikely to outperform in the near term.
6: Hmm,
2: okay. Um, my, my response to that would be it's it's outperformed so far year to date clearly, and uh, we all know very well that it's a position that I don't hold unfortunately. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll, we'll find Yet. out. We'll find out that answer at the
1: end of April, Scott. Well, I mean, you said um, if you study momentum like you do, I mean, it's going to come time to take the test. Either you're going to. We'll see. We'll see how you do on that test, (laughs) Mr. Terranova. There's there's stoplights, and they flash different signals. There's the SAT, the ACT, and the and We'll 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 see how you do on that We'll find out
2: that answer soon enough. But fundamentally, this this certainly is a company that I do not believe, uh, while there's probably not the degree of resiliency that maybe is priced into the stock, I also think that there also is still remaining strong tailwinds uh, that allow
1: this stock to perform the way it does. You got some number twos ready? <laughs> you got your number twos? <laughs> we'll see. All right. I'm a tough grader, so we'll I see what <laughs> happens. I know you we'll are. We'll see what happens. Surat, before we take a break, you sold EA. I did. Electronic Arts, why?
4: Yeah, it did everything we wanted to do, and now the next growth for EA is mobile, and they're really not the biggest player in mobile, and I think there's so much competition coming there. They've got a great FIFA franchise. So, uh, you know, for us, we just took some money off the table to went to a little bit of cash to kind of wait and see. We get some opportunities in the market. The conversation. Stay down you there. A little, Stay down, down there. Look that way. Just lay that <laughs> one. Just
1: look down. Feel a little there. uncomfortable, <laughs> squirming a little, sweating bit. a little bit. <laughs> no, not not sweating. Just you know, squirming. There's
2: things called compliance.
1: All right. OK, well, I, don't, I didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll take a quick break. Up next, the bank trade. Morgan Stanley trading off its session lows following its earnings. We're breaking down the move next. All right, let's uh, do our chart of the day. It's Morgan Stanley, it's right there. Uh, So the stock is still down, uh, Surat, by about three quarters of 1%, top bottom beat. But the real story, profits down 19%, revenue down 2%, IB revenue, investment banking, down 24%. All of these are versus year ago uh, numbers. So you're a shareholder here. It's the last big bank to report. What's your takeaway on this one?
4: Look, I think out of all the banks, I like Morgan Stanley the best. They have the the best, most well-managed team out there. 60% of their income comes from wealth management. That was up year over year. We knew investment banking revenues were down. Capital markets have been zero for the last six months. We've had very minimal IPOs, very little debt issuance. M&A is pretty much dead. There's very little to do. So that was all baked in. But this company's balance sheet is so strong. They have a dividend over 3%. Uh, James Gorman, who runs it, is, is is very disciplined in the way how he runs it. And, and the focus on wealth manages, management is what I really like about this company. And the amount of assets they're going to get as people move away from the smaller banks is just going to be tremendous. So, so uh, it's an opportunity if you don't own it, add more at these levels because I, I think it's truly one of the best-run banks out there. You said it was the best. Yes. You own Bank of America and J.P. Morgan, too.
1: I, I do. I, but my biggest position is, is Morgan Stanley. Your biggest bank position is Morgan Stanley. Yes. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, was your stock summit pick too? That is, yep. Okay. And I stand behind it. Well, I'm sure you do. That's important on this program. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> uh, All right. So to Surratt's point, AUM, yeah. they added
2: $110 billion. $20 billion since Silicon Valley Bank in right. March. Um, wealth management, that's been the reason that I've owned that it. It's up 11% year on year. They had a provision for loan losses. That's understandable. Right. I think that number was 234 million. One year ago, that was down at 60 billion. So, what? by the way, what does that tell you? That tells you that the concerns about commercial real estate are real. But, but I agree with
1: Surat. Does it concern you at all that provisions are going up at, at a time where revenues are going down? It, it doesn't
2: concern me because I think that the top-tier, best-in-breed money center banks like Morgan Stanley, like JP Morgan, like Bank of America, they're doing the right thing in their approach to managing the balance sheet, provisioning for losses, and I believe that there's enough there that they'll be able to endure through this environment. I'm going to give you an example of why I believe that to be true. There's been two deals in the corporate uh, bond market this year, Mm -hmm. uh, this week rather, and these are the first two deals since Silicon Valley Bank, but it represents the confidence that we have in these big banks. You had Wells Fargo, high-yield paper on Monday. They raised nearly $4 billion. It was oversubscribed, $15 billion in orders. That's 11-year paper. And then Bank of America, yesterday, that's the first investment-grade deal. So it's representative of the confidence that I think belongs uh, assigned to these top-tier money center banks, and Morgan Stanley's one of them. And,
4: And the one thing to watch as an investor is when you're investing in banks, the, the market does not pay you for earnings that come when you have a really good M&A year or a really good capital markets year. They're paying for steady earnings, and that's where you're getting from the wealth management business, and you're getting a well-run business. Uh, I mean,
1: Goldman Sachs is going to do better when you have a good capital markets year. And you have IPOs and deals and everything else. Don't you
4: agree? Not always, Scott. Sometimes the market looks through that and says that's a one-time and we're not going to. That's why Goldman doesn't have a premium multiple compared to the rest. Where you really want to steady earnings over time, the market rewards that. I think, I think, it it,
2: I think the yeah. problem with Goldman is, is the pivot to consumer banking. Yeah. And I still think they're trying to wash that away. I kind of agree with Scott. You, t- you show me a good capital market quarter for Goldman and I'll pay the premium, but, because but I, I would argue they're the best. But I they would argue Morgan
4: Stanley's right up there, too. If Goldman's going to have a good capital market share, Mort- so...
2: Morgan Stanley is up there because they built the diversification story in the business model, to your point on wealth management. Right. So Has the- Goldman Sachs really done that?
4: Nope.
2: So I, to, I would though. rather get they both. They want to. He was
1: young. Um, all right, so we get through the banks unscathed, for the most part, right? I mean... The big ones. Yeah, the big yeah. ones.
3: Yeah. Well, I think it would have been a surprise if the big ones came out and said, we had a terrible quarter. I think... The, the regional banks' losses were the big banks' gain. So some of that maybe not as big of a surprise as we know the market moves on surprises. So we came out of the big banks unscathed. I think the market probably is expecting earnings and commentary from regional banks to be under pressure. I'd also point out that a march back up in yields is not gonna help the uh, held to maturity securities valuation problem that is out there. So there's still a lot of stress in the system. There's still a lot of questions about credit tightening. There's still a lot of questions about loan losses that could pile up later in the year. And I don't think we're out of the woods necessarily. Uh, It could also be that second quarter earnings are the ones that things really do come out of the woodwork.
5: Gary? Yeah, you know, unscathed, it's interesting. The market's unscathed. If you look at the year, I mean, if we're up 9% roughly on the S&P, that's in light of there being this crisis that the market seems to have glossed over and moved beyond. So that's pretty impressive. And, you know, the the big banks. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the bank index, of course, they're down, but not that many uh, relative to what one would have expected.
1: All right. Coming up, payment problems. One top analyst is dropping his price target now on a payment stock. We break that down in our call of the day. There's the chart. We'll do it next.
0: Grade my trade. Send us your latest stock move and the investment committee will debate it and grade it. Email us at askhalftime at CNBC.com or tweet us hashtag grade my trade.
7: What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones... Our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com find your rich. Edward Jones, member SIPC.
8: Welcome back to Halftime. I'm Christina Parts Neblis, and here's our CNBC News Update at this hour. A pair of teenage brothers were arrested in connection with an Alabama Sweet 16 shooting that killed four and injured 32 over the weekend. The 16 and 17-year-old boys were taken into custody on charges of reckless murder and are being charged as adults. Former Trump Organization chief financial officer Alan Weisselberg was released from jail today. Weisselberg was sent to New York's Rikers Island in January for helping engineer a wide-ranging 15-year tax fraud scheme at former President Donald Trump's family business. He was sentenced to five months behind bars, but was eligible for release after 100 days. And a SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket lifting off from Cape Canaveral Space Force Station in Florida. The rocket carried 21 new Starlink satellites into orbit that are said to be more powerful than the company's original design. The flight comes one day before SpaceX's targeted date to launch its Starship Starship rocket off the ground on Thursday. Scott, the Falcon soars. All
1: right, Christina, thank you. Christina Partzinevelos. Let's do our call of the day now. It is PayPal. The shares are lower. Mizuho cut its price target on the stock. You know what, Kerry?
5: <laughs> Tell me.
1: One of the most talked about stocks of 2022, 2021, 2022, and now one of the least talked about stocks. PayPal's down 29% from its 52-week high. God, if I recall, I think the stock had a market cap bigger than Bank of America oh, at yeah. one point. But
5: it's like 80% down from its all-time high. Yeah. yeah.
1: So so what's the story here? Why do you still own it?
5: Yeah, so. Why question. do you still own it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to know. So, well, I we own know. it because the management has promised. You like promised, pain? I mean, no, you, pain, love like the pain, love the pain. So here's the deal. Yeah. If, if you can believe the management and they're adamant about it, they're gonna be growing revenues, earnings are growing mid-teens to 20 plus percent sells for 13 and a half times next year's earnings. It's under 16 times this year earnings. It's still 40 percent market share in the payment, online payment business. And Venmo is growing, still growing like crazy. They have these uh, allegiance alliances with a visa that are boosting business for them. You know, it's it's a company that's in the process of having to change themselves. And we think that they are, but the market doesn't seem to uh, be paying no. attention. to own it because it's cheap. In yes. That, in
2: that recreation, how much of a potential catalyst the new CEO? It should be a lot. Okay. And what, what yeah. type of CEO do you want? Because I would think the, the current well, but you know what? He was doing it for quite some time prior to the challenges of the macroeconomic environment. So I, I don't think we could be fully critical of what Dan Schulman's done there. No, he's, okay. he's retiring. They need a new CEO. But what type of CEO? Like
5: Elon do you bring Musk. In? He's one of the founders of PayPal. Come on back, Elon. Come on back.
1: He's got enough on his plate. <laughs> I think we can all agree on that. Uh, Square, by the way, is down 51 percent from its 52-week high. I mean, these stocks have been in the penalty box. You own PayPal, Surat.
4: I I do, and I completely share, uh, Kerry's sentiments on that. It's become a value stock. It's the multiple's gone from 35 to it's like 15 you know now, to I 15 uh, i do know that you know you need a new management team in there because they've had three quarters of missteps right and the the market's not going to reward you until you show at least two quarters of of linear growth and i think that's what people are looking for and and you you're, you're kind of stuck in the the growth investors don't want to touch it it's too expensive for the value investor those of us who still own it, own it. I've done the you know, tax loss selling on it, so I've got a lower basis to offset it. But it's one of those things. It's a show me story, kind of like similar to Electronic Arts. I think it's they start executing again. You get a higher multiple, and then I have to kind of reassess Is, is this a five-year? Executing
1: on what? I mean, you talk about missteps. So, like they spend maybe, money. Is to- it, it maybe it's just back to where it actually should be? Now, I'm not saying that, but I, I, what I'm, well, I guess, what I'm trying to say is there's no way you could have justified where the valuation was before, could you?
4: Well, they were growing north of 20% a quarter, and then what they tried to do was buy new customers, which turned out to be completely, you know, it, it was the worst investment they had, and then they had to backtrack and focus on their original business. Then they tried to buy Pinterest, that was their rumor, so, there were all these things where management wasn't truly focused on the core of the business, yeah. and I think that's where you got it. The core of the business is a phenomenal business. And if you can grow like they are, there's so much shared. I mean, Zell is not competing with them. So there is a lot more as people use PayPal for them to do. And they're partnering with Amazon. They're partnering with Visa, MasterCard. So you've got all these partnerships out there. You just have to focus on it as opposed to say, what is management's focus? And once you start saying, we're going to build a whole conglomerate, that's what happens. If GE can go up, this
5: one can go up.
1: Okay. (laughs) Uh, All right, coming up. Uh, we have an earnings double play united and travelers are both moving higher today we're going to kick them around the desk and give you those trades there's a couple of nice stock moves today we'll do it next all right welcome back shares of travelers higher today on an earnings beat our contestant brewer following the insurance space for us and has those details you've been saying you know what contestant i remember you saying this for for months insurance stocks have been a place to be And no one ever talks about them.
7: Well, look at travelers today. I mean, it's up six and a half percent. The Dow component trounced over consensus in spite of much higher than anticipated catastrophe losses. Remember, we had a lot of hail, a lot of wind events. um, So the catastrophe losses were more than half a billion dollars. That's not really surprising because of all the weather here. A big part of this earnings beat had to do with a tax benefit one time. But a big reason the shares are climbing is because the company announced it's going to buy back five billion more shares and increase the quarterly dividend by eight percent to a buck a share. Business insurance got especially strong. Personal auto insurance still struggling because of inflation. That's a big factor in how much travelers pays out on claims, you know, repairs, replacement, more expensive. On the call, CEO Alan Schnitzer really took some pains to detail all the ways the financial services of insurers are different than the banks, which are getting so much of our attention. The insurers love to say there's no such thing as a run on insurers. But the takeaway here is that Travelers works hard to match the duration of its assets to its liabilities. And he pointed out that even when they were in this low yield environment, they didn't go searching for higher yields by expanding the duration. So, when I say that the insurers have been a place to be, you look at the dividends, you look at the safety, you look at the match between durations of assets and liabilities. And this is one of the reasons why I think there's a compelling argument to be made for the insurers.
1: All right. Contessa, thank you. Contessa Brewer, the latest on Travelers, which Joe already knows the story because you own it in the Joe T. I, I, Travelers, Chubb
2: and Progressive. Uh, Insurance companies are, listen, you're buying the balance sheet. You're buying the balance sheet. You're buying the ability to grow the dividend. Uh, Business insurance, as Contessa highlighted, very strong. Um, Not so sure about auto because you're seeing strength in progressive year-to-date. Obviously, that's representative of some strength on the auto side. So Allstate is probably the one that's most challenged. I think Allstate's down probably somewhere around 13 to 14% year-to-date. That's where you're finding the difficulty. But overall, the insurance, are, the insurance companies are about balance sheets, and it's a great way to still own the financial sector and pivot away, pivot away rather from regional banks.
1: All right. The other one I wanted to talk about was United Airlines, which we can throw up that chart as well today. They did post a loss. They did forecast, though, strong summer travel demand, as we've heard from many of the airline CEOs, Surat.
4: Yeah, and so did Delta, and I own both, but I have a bigger size than Delta. I think United is also benefiting because people are now starting traveling overseas to the Far East. That's what really hurt them as well. The thing with the airlines is they trade at five, six times earnings because of the debt on the balance sheet that they took on in the last two years. So the focus there has to be on discipline, and the airlines have already said this summer they're cutting back capacity. So that is going to be really interesting to see if they can maintain pricing. And the stocks are reflecting it, so I do think they're good buys at this point, because if even if you get lower demand, the capacity is so much lower than they've had in the last couple of years, they're going to be able to make money.
1: All right. Up next, Mike Santoli joins us with his midday word. Halftime's right back. All right, let's show you the markets here. About 15 minutes left to go uh, in halftime. NASDAQ's gone positive uh, by just about 10 points. You see the Dow is off of its lows clearly, and the S&P flirting with positive territory as well. Uh, Yields still up. 362 is the the yield on the 10-year note. Big story today was the fact that uh, yields were up, and maybe that was pushing stocks down, but we have a little bit of a fight here. Uh, going on midday senior markets commentator Mike Santoli is with us now with his midday word. Uh, you know, we're looking ahead to Tesla. We've got IBM. We've got some others. The market's kind of holding its ground, too. It is. Uh, it feels as if
6: maybe we've reached uh, stall speed on the index level, but it really is a pretty orderly digestion we've been undergoing for the last couple of weeks. You know, they, the semis are down five percent in April and the S&P 500 is up. NASDAQ 100 is actually negative on the month to date as well. So it's been able to find a way. It's mostly stock by stock uh, type action, uh, responding to individual corporate fundamentals, but in a fairly measured way. So the question is, does that mean we're back in a normal market where you buy dips and and all the pullbacks are orderly? uh, Or are we just kind of bumping up against this valuation ceiling, which has been in place uh, for a little while on the index level? And we have to have something uh, more macro or more severe to reset this market, I don't think it's been determined yet. So far, I do think that uh, this idea of fewer potential negatives, like one less rate hike than we thought a few months ago coming our way, and then uh, obviously earnings being a little bit better than we were worried about, is enough for now. I don't know if that's really jet fuel for the market, but it's its support.
1: Do you think mega caps settle it? Is that the determining factor at this point? I
6: don't know if it, if it's really about uh, all of them having to do any one thing in unison uh, for the index level. wouldn't it be surprising if you, you had the big caps not do a whole lot in the rest of the market, which really has been lagging uh, to a fair degree. It's been an uneven tape, uh, can, can just kind of hang in there. So sure, if we're talking about what moves the index itself out of the range, it would probably require some, uh, some of the big caps. But Apple's doing its part uh, today. That's why you mentioned the NASDAQ. Uh, 100 doing what it's doing. But I was looking at the S&P 500 this month. There's only two uh, tech stocks in the 20 top performers. So when you keep talking about this idea that it's been a tech centric market, that really only reflects about three weeks of March Mm. from SVB to the end of the month when you really built up that uh, that lopsided uh, action.
1: I guess I'm going to keep talking about the VIX until I'm not. Uh, You know, it's it's 16.2. It's just You can't help but notice.
6: No, for sure. And we're back in kind of late 2021 levels. Again, this also reflects to a fair degree this stock by stock action as opposed to risk on, risk off. It does reflect a very calm tape that we've had for a while. I wouldn't be opposed to the idea that it's feeling a little bit compressed at this point, and And maybe the pendulum has swung a bit far in that direction. But uh, in itself, it doesn't mean uh, that something bad is on the way. It just means we've actually been in this period of calm.
1: Yeah. VIX futures are telling a little bit of a different story. But, yeah. you know, we're we, which we, is a healthy thing. Too. You yeah.
6: always want them to be a
1: little bit anticipating something uh, a little rocky. Yeah. All right, Mike, I'll see you in a bit. Yeah. That's Mike Santoli. Grade your trades next. to grade my trade. Liz Young, you first. Gordy says sold SPY at 4.07, bought JEPI at 55. Uh,
3: I will give you an A on that one. I don't think that the SPY is offering much risk reward at 18.3 times forward earnings on the index. And we're in a market where if we're waiting out this uncertainty, you can find a lot of ways to get paid while you wait, whether that's in Treasuries, money markets or something like JEPI that offers a really attractive yield.
1: Okay, Joey, Daniel says bought 50 shares of j j on a pullback at 161.50. You own that in the T.
2: Certainly has lost price momentum. Let's be clear about that. It's down 9% in the last year. Uh-oh. Down 7% so far year to date. Now, they raised guidance today, COVID shots outside of the U.S. That was a strength of this number. Um, I'll give this maybe a C at best. I'm not particularly sure that I like buying J&J here.
1: All right. Ouch. So we play the Jaws music or anything? Dun oh. dun 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 dun. When's the rebalance? Just gonna smile. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh. Carrie, My- <laughs> Michael says bought NEE Nextera at 7630.
5: Yeah, Michael, I'm gonna give you an A because we've been buying it also. And Nextera, as you know, is a combination of Florida Power and Light, and also, also some sustainable electrical power generation. And we think that's a great mix in this environment. You've got a utility like stream of income, and then you've got something that's kind of high juice, high beta combined. So good luck to both of us.
1: All right. Uh, Surat, to you from a Twitter user, unidentified. Pioneer Natural Resources bought (laughs) PXD at 186 and at 208. Had a huge run. It's over its 200 day moving average, though I sold half on April 10th. What should I do now? sell the rest or add back
4: well i think it was i'll give them an uh whoever it is an a also We'd sounds love, like weiss <laughs> <laughs> he bought sold bought yeah um, i think pioneer is a very well-run company now there's a little rumor going around that exxon's looking at it or somebody else but companies like pioneer and eog are always going to be in play very good balance sheets. It's a company that I want to own for three to five years. I would keep the rest. And by the way, if it dips again, that's when you buy more. But I think this is a three to five-year hold.
1: What's your take on
4: PXD?
2: I think PXD is a long-term hold. Um, I think it belongs in any portfolio that's focused on energy. It is clearly one of the prime uh, assets as it relates to shale. And I think at some point, is the value two twenty five? Probably not. I think it's probably Jim Cramer has been talking about that. It's probably well north of three hundred. But I would yeah. I would hold on to this stock.
1: Okay. Uh, we will take a quick break. We will come back and we'll do final trades. Thanks.
0: Are you following the Halftime Report podcast? What are you waiting for? Look for us in your favorite podcasting app. Follow the Halftime Podcast now.
1: All right, 3 o'clock Eastern Time, closing bell. Dan Ives right before Tesla reports. Eric Jackson, we have Cameron Dawson today. Phil LeBeau, of course, is going to be with us because he watches Tesla, covers it, as you know. Frank Holland on IBM, there are more than just Tesla coming out uh, after the bell. So we will keep uh, our eyes on all of that. Uh, In the meantime, Kerry, you have a new article. I referenced it at the top, but give us more details so people know where, uh, where to find it.
5: Yeah, well, it's interesting, Scott. I I like to look at what parts of the market are doing well and then what's not doing well. And one group that fascinates me is those stocks that fell over 50 percent from their 2021 high. Uh, There's 125 of those stocks, over 5 billion market cap, and most of them have done really well. The top quintile is up about 70 percent. Since the bottom in December and the bottom is down 13 percent and most of them are smallish cap names. I mean, the capitalization difference between the good performers and the weak performers is just unbelievable. It's, you know, 8000 basis points. And I, I think there are opportunities there for the stocks that really earn money.
1: What do you think?
2: I think it's fantastic. I think it's something I'm going to read. Yes. Every, everything that you You're write, fantastic. I read. fantastic. I read everything. Everything that
5: I read at all. Thank you. All right, those are
1: deep thoughts. I appreciate yeah, well,
5: that. Wow. Thank wow. you. <laughs> we don't have much time left in Thank the show. You. We do.
1: We actually did. Okay. Carrie, why don't you give me a final trade?
5: Uh, Blackstone. <laughs> uh, a little dicey because they're reporting tomorrow, but the stock trades for a low multiple and it could get added to the S&P been a lot of worry about their real estate um, position, and it's not big as a percent of the company, and they're added to the S&P, that would be fantastic.
4: Sarat, Uber. I, it's execution story. I think about, they've had a couple of good quarters, and uh, I, I feel this is going to be a really good one, too. Okay. Uh, Liz
3: I think it's been long enough since I talked about short-term treasuries. Still like them. Talking
1: about them again? Talking about them again. It has been a minute.
3: <laughs> I waited.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did. All right. Joe T. Ice, the exchange, strong energy
2: volumes. You see the strength in fixed income trading. A lot of momentum. You could be a buyer against 101. All
1: right. Good stuff. See you in uh, closing bell. The exchange is now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC.
3: Completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full halftime report disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash halftime report disclaimer.
0: You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all electric ZDX. With a premium Bang and Olufsen sound system, up to a 313 mile range, and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.